Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is airing on Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. Hello, everyone. It's Shannon here with you for a Tuesday morning episode. Today, I have an author interview with Adriana Trigiani, where we discuss her latest novel, The Good That's Left Undone. We also, of course, have our guide to the week's new releases. So let's get started. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro Podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email, and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am chatting with author Adriana Trigiani about her latest novel, The Good Left Undone. This is releasing in the U.S. on April 26th. Adriana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thrilled to be with you. Absolutely thrilled. Can we start with a brief introduction to The Good Left Undone so that listeners have a little bit of an idea what they can expect? Sure. I I would say, Shannon, and you know because you read it, I, I would say that it's the story of a contemporary Italian family at a crossroads. And the matriarch of the family, Matelda, feels she has done a terrible job of passing on the family story. So she sets out to set the record straight before it's too late. And when she when she reveals the family story, we go back in time and we're with her mother when her mother is 11 years old and with with her mother as she grows up and grows older. And it's all centered around their home, which, by the way, on the water, on the Mediterranean, Tyrrhenian Sea, where it meets in Via Reggio, Italy, and somehow through all the wars and the floods and the and the, the breakdowns and the family feuds in it, the house is standing and they're still living in it. it, it do you think Ooh. that's good, Shannon? Shannon did I, I do. do. Okay. Because that's brand new. Okay. That's brand new when I added the house in because I just remembered it as I'm talking to you. Yeah. Ah, well, <laughs> we like the house. The house is important. The house is important because it's the kind of, the, it's the setting of it. Of course, you go to France and you go to uh, northern Italy and you go to Scotland and London and, you know, you're all over the place. The oceans, it's just beautiful. I discovered your work with The Shoemaker's Wife. Oh, wow. Um, Back, gosh, 
It's 10 years. Remember. Shannon, Shannon 10 yeah. Years. yeah. I read it in like 2013. Right. Um, I read the audio book. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I had seen your name before that, like with the, um, the big stone gap <clears throat> series and like a few other things, but the shoemaker's wife was the first one that I actually picked up and it was such a phenomenal family saga. And then, you know, from that point, you obviously continued to write and have written more uh, remarkable sagas, but I love like the ties to Italy. I think, you know, we, we see a lot of things in fiction about France, about, you know, England, um, but not not so much about Italy, unless, of course, we're looking at like World War Two and then you see it you know, periodically. Well, it's so funny you're saying that, Shannon, because I'm like you. I thought I'm going to write a contemporary Italian novel. Now, for folks that love Elena Ferrante, I think. Yes, will, I think they will love this. It, it was not a deliberate thing because I would say her work is dark. There's a broodingness to it that I happen to love. That's not this, although there's tragic things that happen. Um, it's 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 a novel that gets you thinking about your own family life and structure, and it gets you thinking about the past and the present and how they kind of interplay with each other. So I'm curious to know, like, what about what are your ties to Italy? And is this a place that you that you visit often that you've ever visited? Well, I go back every year. I go every year. So, yeah, I'm quite familiar with it um, and love it. And I have family and cousins there now that I visit. Excellent. And when I was growing up, my mother's family most all of them were still in Italy. Just her mother came here and my grandfather, which is chronicled in The Shoemaker's Wife. They, my yes. mother's in the Iron Range in Minnesota. Well, my Italian relatives were as real to me as my relatives in Pennsylvania. They were as real to me as my relatives in Minnesota. And so when I grew up, I started going over and um, loved it. So Italy's in my blood. Both sides of the family. I'm part Venetian. I am part um, Southern Italian from Foggia. And then I am Northern Italy, the Lombardy region, uh, up in the mountains north of Bergamo. And if you go over the mountain, Shannon, there's Lake Como. So that helps people understand where it is. You fly into Milan and two hours later, you're at my grandmother's house she grew up in. So were you able to travel back? Um, during the pandemic, or no. did you have to kind of well, take a break? No, you know what? We couldn't go because Bergamo was kind of the hotbed of it. Oh. Remember Bergamo? Yeah. At the very beginning, yeah. it was such a saga and drama, and for two years and now more, that, um, yeah, the, the hotbed was Bergamo. But luckily, my family did okay. Good, good, because so yeah. many people struggled. Lost a cousin here. But not there. Oh, yeah. well, I guess it happens everywhere. It sure does. It sure does. Yeah. So have you been back then, like since the pandemic began? Or was it just 2020 no. that you know? No. no, I did all of this before my research, luckily, before it started. And Ooh. then I had the luxury of, well, 
Shannon, honestly, I cut 300 pages from the book, the whole Winston Churchill storyline, because it was not germane any longer. It was really became over the years. Um, and this is like a painstaking process over the years. Um, it became Matilda, Domenica's, Anina's, and Nicolina's story, the women in the family line. So I didn't fight it. I went with it. And so there's 300 pages of Winston Churchill sitting here. <laughs> Goodbye, Winston. Bye, Winston. That was it for him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Oh, that is. So what is your process? Like when you start writing, do you know kind of where you want the story to go or does it unfold for you as you're writing it? I always plan it. Always. But it always surprises me. So it's kind of like life, you know, you think you're going to, you know, to, 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 that one thing's happening and then it, that doesn't happen and something else takes its place. And I would say that that was my experience with this. But what did happen that never happened before was this distillation of ideas because I had the time to think about them because of COVID. So I could revisit a scene so many times that it, it then took on its own patina in the structure of the novel. So, so an idea that I would have would become bigger and lead me to a new idea is the easiest way mm-hmm. I can say it, the cleanest way. Um, because I'm talking about this book so much, a reader mentioned uh, there's a scene late in the book with um, Olympio who is Matilda's husband. And it's a very small scene. It's like a page. But because of the experience in my family and loss in my family, I wrote it from the perspective of my mother and my grandmothers. But it's Ah. the man in the scene. It's about loss and being a widow or a widower. And, um, And so I took that, I took that very seriously and so, so it became a thing. I, I mean, then I really worked that scene and worked that scene until, you know, I was done. I felt like I was done with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you were able then to kind of recraft it and change it until you were like completely satisfied in a way, I'm guessing, that you don't always get to do without, you know, kind of COVID like slowing things down and kind of giving you that extra time that you might not otherwise have. Well, you know what's interesting, um, really, really interesting. Time after COVID has a different meaning to me than it did before. And the time wasted or the time taken from you, it's a very precious thing. And, you know, as we live, we sort of go, at least over at my house, we go from problem to problem. But, um, you know, and hope for the best, but, but quite beautifully and, and seriously, when the world stood still, it gave me time to take stock of things in a certain way. And I learned how long things actually take me. The world Ah. changed. When I started doing this 22 years ago, I wrote a novel called Big Stone Gap which took off and they, they kind of at the time, which was like two year 2000, they say to you now, 
we're going to put you on a big tour. I did 64 cities. Whoa. And we want you to gather because they, I think they thought I would be a lifetime novelist and I became one. But at that time, the drill was a book a year. I didn't know any other way of doing it. And as the, my career went on, my fellow authors, of, of which there is a thriving, I mean, my, my, my fellow authors are my, they're, they're my lifeline a lot of times, you know. And um, Kristen Hanna, the great Kristen Hanna. Kristen Hanna. Yeah. I love her. I know. I, I know. And, and she would love being on this show. I can tell you. Have you had her yet? I haven't. I think I would die. Okay. Well, I'll call her. <laughs> okay. Hey. Look, I'm going to I'm going to speak for my sister, Kristen. She'd love it. Okay. She'd love you. And she'd love the show. Anyway, she and I had a kind of a similar career trajectory. And she said to me, you know, Adri, my nickname is Adri. You know, Adri, she goes, you got to slow it down. Because they can't publish you like they, they and me like they used to. They don't work like that anymore. You need this thing called runway. Now, that doesn't guarantee you anything, she, of course, said to me. Mm-hmm. Said, Think about it. It gives you more time, them more time. So, so Shannon, I listened to my friend Kristen, and the result is a good left undone. And I've noticed with a lot of authors now, you know, it's um, – Unless you're writing in a real specific like genre niche, you don't necessarily put out a book a year anymore. I don't think it can um, anymore for me anyway, because I want to bring you everything I can bring you. And it just takes me a while to get around the world and see everything and then write about well, it. Well, sure. <laughs> you know, I can't do it with a snap of the fingers here. I got to go to the places because when you, Either listen to the audio book, read the ebook, read it, get it at the library, wherever you get the book. I, I want you to have a submersive, immersive, total experience, emotional experience. It is my job to, to, ha- to have the reader feel those emotions. And you have really, I think, run the gamut of experiences and time periods um, in in your story. So it's not like people pick one up and they're like, oh, you know, OK, now I bet we're going to be back, you know, in, in right. World War Two or, you know, in the Great Depression. Like it travels so nicely. So you're not always, you know, picking it up and expecting the same thing. You know that it's going to be an emotional experience, but you don't necessarily know what it will be. And And I love that. I may just say this. I love you. Thank you for noticing. I can't, I can't write the same thing over and over again because once I've written about something, I, I, I must analyze something else or go someplace else or bring you, the reader, someplace new. That always isn't easy, but I stand by it. So thank you for noticing. So your Big Stone Gap, they, you know, we had been kind of a, a series. Um, in the sense that, like, we see, you know, returning characters and returning places. But in your more recent work, you have kind of, you know, branched out and written very, very separate stories. Is right. there um, something that you prefer? Like, do you prefer the separate stories then? Or do you sometimes wish that you could go back to, like, writing in a series format again? Well, the series format works for particular ideas. For Big Stone Gap, 
when I wrote a novel and I didn't really know what I was doing, it was good to settle into a world. When they when they sort of labeled me an Appalachian or a Southern writer, American, the American South writer, I wrote Lucia Lucia. I oh, yes. So then I was a New Yorker. Then I was a New York writer. And now they don't do that to me anymore because I've tried to be as, um, uh, how, how can I say this, deliberate and change it up each time. That's very deliberate on my part. So some, like if, you, if I'm going to write a story about a small town pharmacist I, and I want to write her starting at age 35 and end it when her daughter, she never thought she'd have children and she has a daughter and the daughter leaves home. I'm going to give you over four books, a, a swath of 25 years. And I kind of love that. In Lucia Lucia, it was a self-contained one-off book. Now, for the last three books that came before The Good Left Undone, you are so right. They're each a standalone, but I consider them because there's no characters that carry from one to the other. Right. However, there's an idea behind it that I'm going to share with you now. That was my American art, my American artisan and craft trilogy. So it was the golden age of Hollywood. Then it was the big band era in the music with Tony's wife. And Chris Carlo was about the American theater into television. I wanted to write the immigrant experience, meaning the American immigrant experience in your home country as you mastered these three separate art forms. And I found out such great stuff. It kept me going. So one of it was, you know, Frank Sinatra, for example, was born in a working class family. And for the first time since the turn of the century, young people took over the music business. They formed these big bands. They toured the country It was called Swing. They renamed it. But prior to that, music, opera, um, was the, it was the music of kings. It wasn't the, the, the work, it wasn't the result of the working class. There were no working class singers on that stage like Frank Sinatra ever. No, no. So it was the first time. So I wanted really to tell that American story of the Irish, of the Middle Europeans, of the Jews, of the African-Americans, of the Asians, of this, this, this stew we became, this beautiful melange of people. So that's how that happened. So now with The Good Left Undone, is this kind of starting like a new sort of arc for you, like where you're not so much focusing on American art, but, you know, are, are you now kind of moving into sort of a, a different um, – a different theme or idea, or is this completely on its own? The good left undone is what I call my get hit by the bus book. If, if something would happen to me between now and finishing the next one that I'm already knee deep in, I would want you, Shannon, to say, oh, Adriana told me this was the one. Every book is the one for me until I grow out of it and have to, to put myself into the next world. And ah, next, yes. Yeah, the next world is uh, contemporary. Oh. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. Is that different for you? Like, does that have a different feel? 
Well, after like, this, even though, you know, he, Shannon, here's where I, I'm terrible at labels because I thought this was a contemporary novel because the character in it takes you through the past, right? So I thought, well, right. that makes it a contemporary novel. No, they call it historical fiction. I don't care about the label part so much, but I might be the wrong one to ask. <laughs> well, I'm always very interested in sort of how authors categorize their work because I think, you know, readers can categorize it one way, publishers can another, you know, so much goes into that marketing, but ultimately like you are the one who, who knows it best and who created it. And so I'm always very interested in what your sort of view is on how, like how this work is categorized and, and how you view it before any of us really even get to know it. Well, you know, I, you can imagine I think we're like in this way, Shannon, we like to control the situation, okay, that we are working in. Don't you like to control the situation a little? I do. Okay. So I'm the same way. The beauty of a great publisher that I have now and Ivan Held and uh, Christine Ball at, at Penguin Random House at Dutton is that they let me do what I think I know how to do. And then they figure out how to position it and market it. Of course, I help, but sure. I rely, I rely really, really rely on their expertise. I really, really rely on it in a major way because that's not really what I do. Although I have ideas because I obviously toured a lot. Um, also wonderful, but, um, yeah, I, I think that it's a, uh, for me, I don't write to a market. I write to a reader. I want to engage. I just want to engage you. I want you to go enter a world and not leave it because that's the role of art, in my opinion. It's the emotional landscape of a culture. And when I tap your emotions, then I have to bring you somewhere, take you somewhere. Um, elevate your sense of events have you look at the world hopefully with refreshed or new eyes that's my goal i never heard the story in this novel i was shocked by it and therefore i was compelled to write it and i hope i always have that kind of intensity about writing i i want it to be like that i want it to be that that i'm learning something new and therefore you're seeing it for the first time anew so it's time for me to ask you my very favorite question, okay. and that is, what have you read recently that you want the world to know about? What has transported you? My gosh, I read so much. So let me pick one. I'm going to pick, because I stayed up last night reading it and I shouldn't have. You know, uh, The Good Left Undone was part of Book of the Month Club. And there's an author named Susan Kane, and she wrote a book called Bittersweet about the role of sorrow and longing, failure in your life. Like, how do you move through it? And I, oh, yes. and I, as I was reading it, I didn't read her bio or anything at first. Come to find out that a book that meant a lot to me because my daughter was very shy in school, not at home, but in school. And I wanted to say the right things to her 
about, and I always felt like it's a gift if you're introverted. I think um, so. <laughs> I really did. Well, it gives time. Anyway, she wrote a book called Quiet. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Okay, I, I forget when it came out. But anyway, so I'm going to pick Bittersweet by Susan Cain because I think right now for anybody that's struggling or there's undergoing change in their life, sometimes just a little bit of like a little nudge of wisdom can make the difference in be- between a happy period in your life and a so-so one. I would agree with that. Yeah, it's a good one. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your pre-release schedule. We are recording this um, a few days ahead of publication. So I really appreciate your time today. And I'm wondering if you can let listeners know the best place to find you online. Best place is um, you can, for the tour, you can go to adrianatrijani.com. You can come to Facebook Live. It's called Adriana Inc., just join Adriana Trujani on Facebook and Instagram. Those are the places I do my thing. Perfect. But may Again. I also, Shannon, may I also thank you for all you do for the world of books. I love your show. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. A lot of work. I know it's a lot of work. A lot, a lot of work. I've got a great team of people um, that, you know, help me pull this off each week. So I am. I am very, very grateful. I, I feel the same way. I totally get it. Yeah, it's all good. This this has been a discussion with author Adriana Trigiani about her new novel, The Good Left Undone, releasing in the U.S. on April 26th. All right. So I'm going to start with some things that you've heard us mention before on our most anticipated releases of November episode. And I'm starting off with a few things, actually with um, one thing that Sarah mentioned. This is Shipwrecked, spoiler alert, number three by Olivia Dade. Stacy is looking forward to this. I am as well. Then Georgina mentioned A Wish for Winter, and this is a holiday novel by Viola Shipman. And then Christine has two books that she was looking forward to. One is a young adult thriller, The Lies We Tell by Katie Zhao. And the other is a historical novel called The Call of the Wrens by Jenny L. Walsh. So those are books that you've heard us mention in the past. Let's move on to some things that you haven't heard us talk about before. I'm going to start with some romance. This week we have a new Kennedy Ryan. This is Before I Let Go, Skyland, book one. And Kennedy Ryan, everything I've read by her has been absolutely amazing. Like just an emotional gut punch, but so, so worth like all the pain you feel while you read it. So this one shows us that sometimes love doesn't last forever, at least That's what we think at the time, but maybe there's a way that it actually does. This is Before I Let Go, Skyland, book one by Kennedy Ryan. We also have a new Naima Simone book. This is Ravaged, 
Burn Incorporated book two. This, um, Kristen talked about the first book in this series a few months ago, and this is about a woman who owns a breakup business um, where basically they break up with people for their clients. Um, I think this is such a clever concept for a series. And Kristen really enjoyed the first book, and now we have the second one. So this is Ravaged, Burned Incorporated, book two by Naima Simone. And for a little queer romance, we have Daniel Cabot Puts Down Roots. This is the Cabot's book three by Kat Sebastian. And Daniel is living in New York City in 1973 and is falling for a man who is opening up a pediatric clinic in one of Manhattan's troubled neighborhoods. This is Daniel Cabot Puts Down Roots, Cabot's book three by Cat Sebastian. And if young adult romance is your thing, then you might want to pay attention to The Do-Over by Lynn Painter. This is about a teenage girl who has a disastrous Valentine's Day and then somehow keeps reliving it again and again and again. This is The Do-Over by Lynn Painter. All right, I'm moving on now to some mysteries. We have Bleeding Heart Yard, Harbinger Carr, Book three by Ellie Griffiths. Now, Ellie Griffiths, I think, is best known for her Ruth Galloway mysteries. She also has a few standalones, um, namely The Stranger Diaries, and I think there's one called, like, The Midnight Hour. Um, but this one is the third in a series about a detective sergeant. And these are called, these are often classified as, like, literary mysteries. A lot of the uh, crimes somehow relate to books and authors and literature. So this is number three, and it once again is Bleeding Heart Yard, Harbinger Carr, book three by Ellie Griffith. We also have a new Greg Olson novel. This is I Know Where You Live. And Greg Olson has written some fantastic true crime, also some thrillers um, like police procedurals and other types of detective novels. This is a standalone, and it reminds us that family secrets can't be hidden forever. This is I Know Where You Live, and it's by Greg Olson. We also have A Ghost of Caribou. This is the third book in the Alex Carter series by Alice Henderson. These are mysteries set in the wilderness. So Alex Carter studies animals and is often tasked with, you know, flying over and injecting them with things to, um, you know, keep them healthy as well as to observe them. And in this book, she focuses on caribou. So this is A Ghost of Caribou, Alex Carter, book three by Alice Henderson. I have a couple of historical mysteries now. We have The Lindbergh Nanny by Mariah Fredrickson. And this is, I guess I don't really have to tell you, it is about the nanny of Anne Morrow Lindbergh and Charles Lindbergh. 
um, their young son who was kidnapped um, in like the 1930s. So if you've been interested in this and, you know, have read some of the, the theories about it, you might be interested in this novel. It's The Lindbergh Nanny by Mariah Fredrickson. We also have Reader, I Murdered Him, which I think is a great title, by Betsy Cornwell. And this is a Victorian set novel about a teenage vigilante who uses her privilege to right wrongs. I am totally, totally here for this. This is Reader, I Murdered Him by Betsy Cornwell. And let's talk about some fantasy. We have a new Brandon Sanderson book out this week. This is Mistborn, book seven. It's called The Lost Metal. And Kristen talked about a Sanderson book on our science fiction episode. I know that Mika is a big fan of the Mistborn books. I have actually never read Brandon Sanderson. I'm not sure what that says about me, but there you have it. Um, but this one is the seventh book. It's called The Lost Metal. It's Mistborn, book seven, by Brandon Sanderson. We also have a new Rebecca Roanhorse this week. This Tread of Angels. It looks like it's more novella length. It's about two sisters raised in totally separate worlds, one by angels and the other literally by demon kind. This is Tread of Angels by Rebecca Roanhorse. Then we have The Wilder Women. This is by Ruth Emmy Lang. And it is about two sisters. Their mother disappeared one morning. And there's a lot of things that people are curious about relating to this, especially because one of the daughters is psychic. Now, I'm not sure if you'd consider this like a paranormal mystery or if it somehow, you know, has more kind of fantastical elements as the story goes along. It is categorized as fantasy, which is why I'm talking about it here as opposed to within kind of the, the mystery and thriller section. But this one is The Wilder Women by Ruth Emmy Lang. And if you remember, way back in January, Kristen talked about the first book in the Celestial Kingdom duology. And now the second book is out. This is Heart of the Sun Warrior. It is by Su Lin Tan. And it is fantasy based on Chinese mythology. So if you read the first book, then you are probably ready for the second one. It is Heart of the Sun Warrior, Celestial Kingdom Duology, book two by Su Lin Tan. And lastly, Jennifer L. Armentrout is releasing the second book in her Flesh and Fire series. This is called A Light in the Flame. And Flesh and Fire is a spin-off series of her very, very popular From Blood and Ash series, which I think now is completed. I think the fourth book kind of ended that particular series. And so now I'm guessing she'll be focused on um, Flesh and Fire and then maybe some more gargoyle books. I don't know. We can hope. Um, but if you're a fan of Jennifer L. Armentrout, then this should definitely be on your radar. It is A Light in the Flame, Flesh and Fire, book two. And that is all I have for you this week. I hope all of you are reading tons, staying safe and healthy. 
we are getting ever closer to the end of the year. So usually in December, I don't talk about new books because there aren't a ton that come out. Um, so you'll just have author interviews as far as that goes. But you'll still have a couple more weeks of new releases. So until next time. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.